The postseason is here, and the Ringer NBA show has you covered with Real Ones, Group Chat, The Answer, and Ringer NBA Postgame. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Super late or super early edition of New York, New York, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network with yours truly, J.J. John Jastrzemski. And I hope everybody enjoyed their 4th of July weekend. We had all sorts of crazy content out. I love all you folks on social media. Normally, social media is the ultimate cesspool. But I guess a lot of you folks, whether you were disgruntled Yankee fans or super fired up Mets fans, were very appreciative and enjoyed our live Spotify green room show, which we put up into a podcast where the calls were off the rails. I might've been a little bit off the rails and we had a hell of a time the other day. We had a hell of a time. So that got me through the holiday weekend, aside from the fact that my baseball team stinks. We'll get to how we got to try to change that juju for everybody involved in a couple of minutes, but got to start first on what was a very, very busy Tuesday night of sports. I mean, it was one of those nights where I felt like it was almost like football season in the sense that I had three screens going. And I know we've had that with the NBA playoffs and we've had it with the NHL playoffs. But maybe because I had like a week off from it, I forgot how good it felt. Had the match going. Aaron Rodgers, way better golfer than I ever could have imagined. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, I mean, talk about a guy who's just letting it go. I mean, with the hair and the beard, he looked like a guy you'd see on a, you know, cannabis farm. Maybe that's what he and Shailene Woodley are doing in their downtime. But the match was going, the baseball was going, and yeah, game one of the NBA Finals where Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns made quite the statement. 118-105 to 105 over the Milwaukee Bucks. And to me, there were two major storylines going into game one on Tuesday night. The first storyline, which... Might have surprised some people. Didn't necessarily surprise me considering it's the finals. If you can walk, 
you're going to be out on the court. You're going to play. But it was the Giannis and whether or not he will give it a go type of deal. Well, he gave it a go. Athletically speaking, physically, I thought Giannis was fine. Was it his best game? No. Is this going to remind you of what Giannis did in game seven against the Brooklyn Nets? Not necessarily. But considering that we all thought he might have been done for the year less than a week ago, for him to get on the court, for him to be slamming some plays down, he had that spectacular block in transition. That's a good sign on what was an otherwise awful night for the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis, okay, he could play. He's going to be able to play in this series, I would hope. Milwaukee, though, defensively, step slow, lethargic, and Phoenix looked like a well-oiled machine firing on all cylinders. And that brings me to the second narrative of this NBA final. And that's Chris Paul getting the opportunity to play in the finals for the first time in his career. And I've always been a big Chris Paul fan. He's had a lot of bad breaks, as we know, in postseason. This has been a weird year. I don't think anybody in their right mind thought that it would be a Milwaukee-Phoenix NBA final. But yet, that's where we are. I love every minute of it. It's fun. It's new. It's different. Terrific. But Chris Paul's first opportunity to be on this stage, my goodness, even after the Brooke Lopez play, where the play with Lopez, where everybody's holding their breath, and maybe you're getting flashbacks to Kawhi Leonard and Zaza from a few years ago. I know I was getting that particular flashback. But Chris Paul basically comes back after that and is electric in the third quarter of this game. He gives you 32 points. He gives you nine assists. He's 12 and 19 from the field. He's incredibly efficient. He sees the light at the end of the tunnel. He sees, to me, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's one game. You don't want to make it the be-all, end-all of this series. How is Milwaukee going to count it out efficiency? And that ease. It was too easy for Paul in game one. It was too easy for the Suns, offensively speaking, in game one. They got whatever the hell they wanted. Between Paul and then DeAndre Aiden, who was a freak. I know the Greek freak's on the other side. Listen to these numbers for Aiden. 22-19. and Remember, he's always going to have looming over him. Luca, Trey Young, this, that. DeAndre Aiden has had a hell of a postseason. And cleaned up the glass, made a ton of athletic plays, was terrific. Phoenix looked like the better team in game one. Is that going to continue to be the case? We'll see. I like Amora. I picked him to win this series in six. I love the fact that Giannis is playing. I think that's great. I think it makes for far more of an enjoyable, entertaining, captivating type of series. I look at what Phoenix was able to do all year. The run they had in the Western Conference, beating the Lakers, running through this postseason, and a guy like Paul being three wins away from an NBA title, I don't think he's getting denied. So that's a hell of a saw for the Phoenix Suns right out of the gate. 
and quite the debut for Mr. Paul in his first ever NBA Finals game. So game two will be on Thursday night. And Giannis, hopefully, is good to go and can play even better if you're rooting for Milwaukee here in the series. I'm not. I like Giannis personally. I want Chris Paul to win a heck of a lot more. Because you never know. That's the amazing thing about this series. Next year, Fandle odds, they're not going to have Phoenix. They're not going to have Milwaukee, one or two. It's going to be the Nets, going to be the Lakers. So if I'm one of these teams, I'm saying this is my shot to go win a title. Right here, right now, this is my shot. So job well done by Phoenix. Then you have all the Yankee stuff. And look, one game against the Seattle Mariners is not all of a sudden going to bring me back. I got to be honest. It's to a point now with the Yankees where they could go 5-1 and one this week. They have a big week in Seattle. They could have a big weekend in Houston. And I'm not going to be there. And I think anybody who knows me gets the sense that I'm usually a pretty positive guy. I'm usually a glass half full kind of guy. It is impossible to do with this particular team. It's impossible. Now, Tuesday night, they pounded Justice Sheffield. Justice Sheffield is a guy that should be ready-made to order for the Yankees. He's a lefty. He's not overpowering. And with all that right-handed power, you should be bashing the living daylights out of the dude. And it's nice. He actually hit a home run with a couple of guys on base. Stanton does that right out of the gate. Voigt gets a big hit. All of a sudden, you look up. It's 8 nothing. It's 9 nothing. Ideal. Not pounding my chest after one game, though. Let me see that over two or three weeks. And then maybe you can start suckering me back in for second wildcard conversations. Sad that we're living in a Yankee world where that's the conversation, where that's the narrative, but got to call it like it is. Got to tell it like it is. Yankees right now have a lot of work to do. And look at the next few weeks. This West Coast trip and then eight games with Boston. After those eight games are done with the Red Sox, that is when we can have the discussion and the conversation about selling. Are you adding to this team? What can be done in the offseason? Get me through those eight games. Then I'll know where the Yankees are at. No Torres on Tuesday was interesting. I know they were saying he was dealing with some leg issues. You could make the argument that Gleyber Torres could be sent down. How crazy is that? You could make that argument. Yeah, he's never going to do it. But if they sent Gleyber Torres down with the numbers and the performance that he's had this year, is anybody going to be screaming bloody murder? I know I'm not. Especially when I'm watching our show, I'll make play after play over at shortstop. And can we stop with the narrative of the Yankees trading Gio Urshela? Who are they getting at third base? What are the Yankees going to go show out? 250 $300 million on a third baseman with the other needs on this team? That is ludicrous to me. It's outrageous in so many ways. Tuesday was a good night. Tyon was fantastic. Nice to see Yankees start to give him some length. Nice to see the Yankees not only hit the ball out of the ballpark, run a little bit. Put some guys in motion. Got to try something if you're Aaron Boone. Team stinks. 
I'm open and I'm willing to try just about anything. That's where you're at when you're only a couple of games over 500. So it was almost a picture-perfect night for the Yankees. Most hits all year. Most runs all year. Voight has a five-hit game, and he's finally tearing a cover off the ball. I mean, we've been waiting all year for Luke Voigt to do this in between his stints on the injured list. But for anybody who stayed up late, and I do because I watch all these games and I'm a lunatic, I understand that. You stayed up late. The ninth inning, even 11 runs up for the Yankees, had some intrigue, had some drama. Not from a win-loss standpoint. But you saw Raldis Chapman on the mound for the first time since that debacle against the Mets. And that's basically what it's come to for Aaron Boone and company. Chapman's got to be pitching in 11 run games to try to figure out what the hell is going on. Was Chapman particularly sharp? Nope. Gave up a hit. Walked a couple of guys. But if you're looking for a positive, he did strike out the side. And breaking news alert, Araldis Chapman threw a scoreless ninth inning for the New York Yankees. Hallelujah! Thank heavens! Does that performance now have me all aboard the Chapman train the next time he's out there in a save situation? Of course not. Be biting nine nails. I'm going to need a bourbon. I'm going to need 10 bourbons to watch Araldis Chapman in close games. That was not one of those immaculate type innings like Chad Green had the other night. But when you've been as bad as Aroldis Chapman, I guess you could take a scoreless ninth inning and striking out the side in an 11-run game and spin it as a positive. He didn't get bombed. So there's that. It's amazing. Chapman is pitching in 11-run games because he's got no confidence. That's the biggest thing I've noticed with Aroldis Chapman. In this funk, he's got no confidence. That swagger that he normally has on the mound, it is gone. Throw the split. Trust the split. We saw it early in the year. Attack with the fastball. Velocity wasn't great early, but he got it up to 98-99. And at 98-99, he can be more than good enough as far as I'm concerned. So, a little anxiety in the ninth inning. Lever one win. Wonderful. Five and one won't do it for me. I need more. Honestly, the Yankees are at a point where they got a lot of work to do before this sucker and yours truly back into the picture. So good Jamison Tyon starts and scoring 12 runs a game. Gotta start somewhere. Nick Swisher, Mr. Positivity himself. Maybe he's gonna be the guy to bring the Yankees out of their funk. Pulling out all the stops. And the energy of me and Swisher, oh my goodness. Prepare yourself for this one. He's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. 
It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. So we need a little Yankee positivity right about now. Things are rough. So I tried to find like the most positive person on the planet, the 2009 World Series champ. I'm saluting him. The great Nick Swisher. There you go, baby. There we go. Swish, what's happening, bro? How has the 2021 season been treating you, dude? Yeah. Hey, man, listen. You know, it hasn't quite exactly been what Yankee fans thought, right? But that doesn't mean that we give up, right? That doesn't – Yankees never quit, right? That's not our style. All we got to do is go on a nice 10, 15-game stretch where we go 10 and 5, 12 and 3, and we find ourselves, in my mind, right back to where we need to be. Listen, it's been uh, crazy how we've kind of lost a lot of the games as of late as well, right? Uh, I think, you know, the Subway Series with the Mets wasn't exactly what we expected. Uh, But I think now this West Coast trip is huge for us. I think this is something huge for us. I think we're going to cruise right into the All-Star break, going to take that All-Star break, have a nice little leave of absence, which is going to be great. Get a lot of the guys to get away from the game for a hot second, relax, get everything back to where we need it to be. Because in my mind, who, who, who better do we need, right? I mean, we got the pieces of the puzzle. It's all about putting them back together. And in my mind, I love me some Aaron Boone. I love me some Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner. I mean, these guys are the top of the top. They're the best of the best. You know, it's just kind of being a Yankee fan, you expect greatness all the time. Don't get me wrong, I do as well. So I think right now it's been kind of a lull season but that doesn't mean that the season is over, right? If we can get ourselves in those in that playoffs and we can find a way to get in there and scratch and claw and get ourselves into that maybe wild card game, then I feel like we have the talent to do it. We've been banged up all year long, right? Luke Voigt's been banged up and in my mind, a huge piece of the puzzle. He's the emotional leader on that squad. So to have him back, I think is huge. I think there's a lot of talk about the pitching, which I've heard a lot about. And I think that you could look at Garrett Cole's numbers you know, since all this kind of sticky stuff has came out. But at the end of the day, there's nobody else other than maybe Jacob DeGrom that I want on that bump if we're in a win or lose game because Garrett Cole is going to give you everything he's got. So I think for myself, it's been a crazy year thus far. But at the end of the day, listen, man, I'm an optimist, bro. I'm a positive thinker. I bleed pinstripes and I can't wait for this team to turn it around because at the end of the day, when it does turn, it can turn good. It can turn fast. And we can dominate some people because we've got some serious talent up and down that lineup. Swish, you played for a team that won a World Series. You played on teams that got to the postseason. When things are going bad in New York, though, you can feel it. You know the deal, dude. Talk radio, podcasts, back page of the newspapers. Did you ever get the sense when things were going bad, maybe in some way, the best thing that could happen for a team is to get out of New York City for a week, week and a half and kind of come (laughs) together and... Find your footing, if you will, when you're on the road and you're not dealing with the pressure cooker in New York. Yeah, but come on, baby. I love the pressure cooker, right? I love me some New York. I mean, that's what makes New York, New York, right? Like no one else has to deal with the media. No one else has to deal with the microscopes the way that the New York Yankees do. So for myself, hey, man, 
I'd rather be playing a New York, I'd rather be playing Yankee Stadium than any other place on the planet because that was home to me, right? Like that's cheers. Like that's like walking in the bar and you know everybody. So for somebody like me, listen, I think the West Coast trip is going to be great. Historically, we haven't played exactly the best on the West Coast. But like you said, I mean, maybe this is that little break that the squad needs a little bit to get themselves back to where they need, right? I think for myself, I think culture is huge. I think the culture that we've created is a winning environment. And at the end of the day, we need to get back to that. I know you're not supposed to say things like this, but at the end of the day, I think a good old-fashioned brawl would be the best thing hey, for Hey, listen, I, I, Swish, I'm open to anything, bro. <laughs> I'm open to that. I, I remember Giambi had the golden thong a few years ago. Dude, whatever it takes to get this team going, I'm all in. Whatever needs to happen. You, as a guy who's a rah-rah guy, you're a positive guy, you know, we could talk and talk and talk until you're blue in the face, but you know this, bro. Actions speak louder than words. But when you were on a team... And a team maybe was going bad. Did you feel you had to be one of those guys to maybe loosen it up a little bit, try to get guys relaxed? Like, is that something that you'd be pulling out of the Nick Swisher playbook right now, right about now for the Yankees? Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, we've got to find something, right? You know, whether that's, uh, you know, banging batting practice and, and doing some camaraderie building exercises, like team building exercises, make the game fun again. Because when you're losing and you're in that pressure cooker, it's not fun. And for someone like me, I love the game of baseball because it's fun to me. So I think for myself, listen, I think this is the time where maybe you got to turn it up a little more. Maybe we got to work a little bit harder. Maybe we got to come to the ballpark a little earlier, maybe take some extra batting practice, some extra ground balls, whatever it is to get us over the hump. That's what we need to do. But that's the great thing about baseball. It's such an individual sport right? Where it's a team game based of individuals. So each person has to do their job each and every day for us to be successful. So I think if you're looking at it, right, you're looking at the numbers up and down, I'm sure people can point the fingers all over the place. It just hasn't been the season that we hoped it would be. I've seen interviews from Hal Steinbrenner. I've seen interviews from Brian Cashman and, you know, rightfully so it's been a tough year. There's no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean we give up, right? That doesn't mean we quit. Like, we keep grinding. We're the New York Yankees, bro. 27 world championships. Let's go, baby, right? Like, it, just because this year is a 41 and 41 season, 80-some games into the year, that's only half of the season. We got 80 games to play. I think if there's something that can switch in that locker room, it's the big boys stepping up a little bit, right? I mean, I don't know how much more Aaron Judge could be stepping up than he is, but at least for the teams that I was part of, we always had somebody we could fall back on. We always had that Derek Jeter or that Mariana Rivera or that Andy Pettit. And you could fall back on because you knew that these guys have been through the ups and the downs. There's a lot of guys in this locker room that have never been through the downs before. It's the first time they've really struggled. So to see where we're at right now, I think that we can make that change, man. Listen, we're only a few games away. We're only a few series away from getting ourselves back to where we know we can be. Listen, man, I think we're 10 and, 10 and some change back behind first place, and that's a crazy spot to be for the New York Yankees. But at the end of the year, bro, I can promise you, once we pull this thing back together, we get everybody back and healthy and doing our thing, I can promise you we'll be there at the top, bro. We'll be there in September, definitely competing for that wild card, no doubt about it, because I believe in Aaron Boone. I believe in the lineup one through nine, whoever he's rolling out there. Because I know deep down inside that those fans at Yankee Stadium can bring something out of a player that other stadiums can't. 
That's why usually the Yankees every year have one of the best home records because it's not just the players on the field. It's the community. It's the city. It's the logo. It's the pride. It's the passion. And for something like that, listen, I think that can definitely be something that we can get ourselves ready to roll for because, listen, man, I'm a fan. I'm rooting every night. I know you're a fan. You're rooting every night, right? At the end of the day, you're like, come on, boys, we can do this. But yeah, man, I've been trying to keep that positive energy like you last couple of weeks. It's been trying. You specifically, I'll never forget you came to the team in 09. And you were one of these guys, you know, the Yankees, Swish, they're all corporate. You know the deal. It's so buttoned up. And you're running out to right field. You're running up the wall. (laughs) I remember that. You're like going crazy. And I think you and CeCe and Burnett, you guys brought this sort of craziness that the Yankees needed. You think back to that 2009 season. When was the moment for you? I don't know if it was in spring training. Maybe it was midway through the year. When did it like dawn on Nick Swisher? Holy smokes, I'm playing on a really special team. Uh, I think it probably was June, right? Uh, I think it's been very well documented. Uh, Brian Cashman made the trip down to ATL, right? When we were playing the Braves and we had a team meeting. And I'll never forget after that team meeting, we were looking around at each other and we were like, you know what? Like, we're really, really good. Like, we've got a lot of talent in here. There's Hall of Famers all over this locker room. I mean, historically, statistically, probably one of the better teams ever to play the game. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at an overall, like, group. But the one thing that we had on that squad was personalities, right? One thing we had on that squad were people that weren't scared to be themselves, right? We had fun. I'm even thinking back when we had Torres and he was doing the toe TV, right? Remember guys like hitting home runs and he had the TV box and the whole nine. You don't see that in the dugout now. You know, you don't see, you know, the teams like the Boston Red Sox putting them in the cart and pushing them down the dugout. You don't see that with us right now. So I think for ourselves, you know, 2009, we had the pies. We were slamming pies in each other's faces. We were doing some amazing things. There's something that needs to happen that needs to bring all 25 of those individuals in that locker room together. I don't know what it is, whether it's a, a home run cheer. You see the San Diego Padres. They got the big chain, right? The whole nine. I think there needs to be something that we have to have that makes us different than everyone else. I think this year has been a struggle because I don't think we know the identity of who we are. I think we really need to look deep and to figure out what type of squad we are. Listen, if we're going to be the home run New York Yankee bashers, let's be the bashers, right? We're not that squad that's out there stealing bases. We're big, we're strong, we're bulky, right? And at the end of the day, if that's the squad that we're going to put out on the field every day, then let's own it. Let's step up. Let's say, listen, we're not bunting the baseball. We're going to hit the ball in the seats. We're going to hit the most home runs in the league. And we're going to do our best to win the division. Listen, when we had Corey Kluber and he was rocking and rolling right behind Cole, all was good. And then all of a sudden when Klubes comes out, now all of a sudden that's our number two guy. Now what do we do, right? I think – Starting Those other guys got put in a spot where maybe they're not a number two swish. There are three, there are four, and you're right about that, dude. Whole rotation kind of went out of whack the minute Cooper went down. Yes. I'll tell you what bothers me about this team, though. And you know something about left-handed power. You, Teixeira, uh, Johnny Damon, you know, like Matsui. You guys had all these lefties that could take advantage of the short porch at Yankee Stadium. 
Swish, the Yankees moving forward, bro. They got to get some lefties, man. You got yeah, that no short problem. porch. Take advantage, right? I mean, 100%. You know, I think we, you know, we went along that power right-handed bat there for a minute because we have right-handed bats in the lineup that can hit the ball the other way, like left-handed power guys can pull the ball, right? So I think that was kind of the mindset going behind that. We tried with Jay Bruce. It didn't quite work out the way that we wanted it to. We even tried with Greg Bird. Didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to with him. For myself, I look up and down the lineup and I see a lot of power right-handed bats. For us, we had a different motif, right? We had four switch hitters in our lineups, which is you know almost unheard of to be able to cause so many different problems with pitchers. But I think with where we are right now, we're in a little bit of a lull and that's okay. It's okay to be down. It's okay to struggle. What I'm really interested in seeing here in the next couple of weeks I want to see what type of squad we are on the inside. I want to see us pull our bootstraps up, bro. Tighten our belts up just a little bit tighter. Go out there and fight for what's ours. Because at the end of the day, that logo that you wear on your left breast right here, that thing means more to me than anything in the world. That place is home to me. The passion, the love, the overall excellence that goes into that logo is huge. And, and I think sometimes we might need to look back on that a little bit more and understand how fortunate and blessed we are to be wearing that logo. Because I think for myself, I don't think there's any better logo in the game. There's no better logo in the world and there's no better logo than that NY. So I think for myself, I just think there's a little more pride. Uh, and so much pride that goes into that, uh, that for myself, man, listen, uh, I think we can just, you know, we can turn it up a little bit more, just a little bit more. And, and I'm interested to see what's going to happen because right now, they don't need to be told what they're doing right now. They know what's going on in that locker room. It's not like these guys are trying to let this happen. These guys are at the ballpark early every day, working on their game, doing the best they can. And sometimes it just hasn't worked out for us up to this point. Now, moving forward, I want to see what happens for the rest of the 80 games that we've got, because I just don't think this is New York Yankee baseball that we're used to seeing. And once it gets back to that, I think we'll be okay, man. I really, really do. I think if you want to look up and down the lineup, maybe there's some trades that may have happened or some guys that may have left that a lot of people wish we had back. But we can't be that Monday morning quarterback, right? We can't be that guys like, man, we should have done this and we should have done that because we are in the spot we are right now. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to pull ourselves out of this? I think so. In my mind, I know we can do it. I know we have the talent. I know we have the pride, the passion. Listen, we got guys in that locker room, man, that know what it takes to win. And hopefully, you know, in my, I mean, hopefully we can pull it together, man, because when the Yankees are winning, the game of baseball is good, my man, for sure. Nah, New York City's hopping, bro. You know that. You want to have 45 plus killing it, yelling, screaming, doing what they normally do come September, October. Does it feel for you like 10 plus years since that 2009 World Series switch? I think about it. We were accused. We were partying. We were giddy. <laughs> we loved watching you boys play. Yeah. Taking off the new stadium, winning a championship. And that 2009 title from a fan standpoint, dude, it means more and more and more each day. Because, you know, right. I grew up, Swish, I grew up the Yankees won a championship every year. With Jeter, yeah. with Bernie and that group. They go nine years without one. But now it's beyond that. We're talking 11, 12 years. So your team specifically means a lot to the fan base now more and more. Does it feel like 10 plus years or not really? Yeah, I mean, listen, man, you know, it, it almost kind of seems like yesterday in a sense, 
But you're right. I mean, bro, we've gone a decade in the Bronx without a championship. That, that's, that's a lifetime in New York Yankee years, dude. You know that. that. That's, that's a lifetime. Unheard of. That's like dog years, right? In a sense, you're like, dude, that's, that, that's not it. So I, I think with where we are, right, you know, we've got to get back to the drawing board a little bit. I think for ourselves, uh, you know, in the front office, we're doing everything we can uh, to try and get the best players we can. And, you know, I mean, obviously, if the season doesn't end up the way we wanted it to, then we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and figure out a, a better plan. But I don't want to put us down already. We're not, we may be down, but we ain't out, bro. I just think that right now we've got so much more to give in there. There's so much more fuel in the tank. And once that comes out, I think it's going to be powerful. I think it's going to be emotional because I think at the end of the day, bringing that emotion back into the Bronx, right? Bringing that 45, 55,000 plus back into the stadium because they want to be there, because they want to watch the Yankees play. I think I've read a lot of articles talking about how the fans saying that this team may not be a whole lot of fun to watch. Well, that's because we're not winning. When we're winning, we're fun to watch. And that is just a snap of a finger away. All of a sudden, we got Gary Sanchez. He's been hot, which is good. Judgy, he's doing his thing. We bring Giancarlo. Clint comes back. He's doing his thing. Glaber, Gio, all these guys that put up these massive numbers over the last couple of years doesn't mean these guys can't do that the rest of the year. We're only halfway through. We're getting to the all-star break, and that is a huge momentum shift for a lot of squads. The New York Yankees historically have played amazing in the second half of the season. And that's exactly what we're going to have to do if we want to find ourselves in the playoffs. Who is the guy when you came back 2016, you play with a bunch of these young guys in the minor leagues. When you're at the end of your career, you're watching these dudes play. Who is the guy for you, Swish, that opened your eyes the most? Was it Sanchez? Was it Judge? Like, who is the guy when you watch them in the minor leagues, you're like, holy shit, this guy's going to be a stud. Oh, God, I, I, I think, you know, at that moment in AAA, I think Gary Sanchez was a little ahead Aaron Judge at the time. You know, I think he was one of those guys where he was such an offensive and defensive threat. There's not a whole lot of those guys in the game, especially coming from the catcher's position. And then, you know, the defensive thing started to happen with, with Sanchi a little bit. And Judge kind of, in my mind, kind of took over. But I definitely think 2016, bro, when I was riding that bus for half the year, bro, that Gary Sanchez really blew my socks off because I'd never really seen a guy uh, that could have that much power to all fields of play but also had an absolute cannon behind the plate. So I think for myself, I, I love seeing Gary back to where he should be. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, Judge, he's doing his thing. Love him to death. But I think at the end of the day, I think it's not an individual thing. We got we to somehow find a way to become a team again, right? We got to somehow find a way to do this thing all together as one. Because I know for myself, some of the toughest times we've ever been in in seasons we all had to pull together. There were a lot of meetings that might have gone in, you know, behind the scenes that people don't know they're happening. Maybe we all, you know, had a nice party on the team plane somewhere, right? Like, well, I heard about that big party in 09, right? That was oh, like yeah. a, I read those stories. <laughs> I forget. It was one of the books. I think Feinstein's book, it came out. Who was the one hosting this big blowout? Was that an A-Rod oh, uh, yeah, festivity? Yeah, yeah. Rod, Rod was hosting that one, bro. <laughs> He could afford it. I was going to say, no, I hope he was no doubt, for hey, he, He's cool right now. Hey, he could throw a party up there, right? We'd be good to go, bro. I like the sound of that, man. Maybe we got to get the Yankees, get them partying <laughs> out. Maybe that'll be uh, the magic trick. You think back on your time with the Yankees. 
Is there a favorite moment for you, Swish, in a postseason game, in a regular season game that, like, you're going to look back on 10 years from now, 20 years from now, saying, man, this was something special? Yeah, so I, I think for myself, man, I'm such a team guy. Uh, I still, I'll never forget game six in the Bronx, 09, right? Like, remember Jimmy Rollins was talking all that shit, bro, talking about Philly was going to win at five and the whole nine, you know what I mean? And for myself, that was the year that Rod really kind of just ripped the chains off and got that kind of postseason bug off his back. Um, but I think if you're talking about an individual moment, uh, I think for myself, when I got benched game two in that World Series, and I came back game three in Philly, hit a double, hit a homer. I remember right? he hit a bomb. And that was when yes. Hedick got a big hit right up the middle. Yeah. And yes. I mean, National League rules that I hate. That was Halloween. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, Swish, that was Halloween night in yes. Philly. Halloween, yeah. rowdy Philly crowd. And you you hit a bomb too. Left field, right? Left yeah, field. Bro, you were right. Come on, Jay. You know bro, it, bro. I know my guys, man. Listen, yes. that's my last championship switch. <laughs> I remember all those games inside and out. I, Come on now. I can honestly say uh, as an individual moment right there, like being benched in that game too was a soul-crushing moment. Well, was that tough for you? Because listen, we all compete, not in a major league level. I miss four putts. I feel like I'm getting the yips getting back on the golf course. Yeah. You're getting benched in a World Series. Yep. You were, you know, a guy at 25, 30 home runs for the team. You're playing every game. What are you telling yourself to get you, your mindset and your body where it needs to be for game three? You're just trying to yell and scream and, yeah, and just the, the shit out of stuff? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah, about man. Right. You know, at that time, it, it was the best move for the team. A hundred percent. It was the right move. I wasn't producing, you know, that postseason. I wasn't exactly great. But at the end of the, end of the day, like, you know, you got to look on the inside. You can't look on the outside for those things, man. All that stuff happens on the inside. So I think for myself, being able to have that game to really just kind of kick back, relax. And that was when we faced Pedro in the Bronx and beat him after Cliff Lee whipped our ass game one. And to be able to have, you know, that game one, one going into that game three in Philly, that was a huge moment because, you know, I remember Girardi just coming up and being like, Hey, listen, don't even put your spikes on, right? Just relax. This is an overall game. You're, you know, you're out. You're not playing. Well, just relax. Get your mind right and be ready for game three. And that's exactly what I did, man. I had my flats on all day. You know, I had my tennis shoes on. And, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, I was, just, I was just doing a lot of thinking, right? A lot of thinking, a lot of cheering, a lot of yelling. Because at the worst times in my career, I always thought that it would get me out of that slump faster if I was a better teammate. If I was a great teammate that would help get me out of a slump better than if I was a bad teammate, because I don't know. I believe in karma, bro. You know, it's not all about you. It's about 24 other guys in that locker room as well. So I think for myself that right there, and then hitting my 200th home run at Yankee stadium, bro, for a grand slam off Ryan Dempster. Dempster, you remember that one, bro. That was just one of those things where I was like, man, I'll never be able to experience that. And I also think I just, I don't know, bro. At the end of the day, I missed the cheers. I missed the screams, right? I missed the cheers, all that stuff. But listen, man, I was able to be one of those lucky guys uh, that got to play in the Bronx and to etch my name in history along with the rest of that 2009 championship club. Well, think about the guys you play with. You play with Jeter. You play with A-Rod. You play with CeCe. You play with Mariano. You play with Posada. Dude, Pettit. I mean, absurd. Is it it like a pinch me type of moment thinking about it now after the fact being like, I just play with all these Hall of Famers and I know these guys well. That's awesome, dude. 100%, man. Well, I also think a pinch me moment was the first day I walked into spring training in 2009. 
And I'm walking through the locker room like, holy shit, bro. Like, where am I right now? Like, no way this is where I am right now in my career. So I think for myself to be able to have all those great guys who every single one of those guys I still keep in touch with. So to be able to have that bond with those guys and to be able to share that championship with them, I can't wait till they bring us back to Yankee Stadium at some point. Well, I need the they reunion. Got, I mean, that's they got to bring back the reunion for sure. At some I was going to say, they better, they better have the bottles popping. And remember, Swish, you got to win a job on that team. You got yeah. traded from the White Sox. And I'm thinking, all right, lefty, I thought you were going to be the first baseman. So did then I. The Yankees. So did I. I'm sure you did. You're thinking, all right, first base glove, whatever. They go and spend a zillion dollars on techs. Yeah. Did you come in? You got off to a hot start that year, too. You had to yeah. be thinking, all right, I got to come out guns and blazing here. I got to earn my keep, right? Well, 100%, man. Ex- you know, X Navy, bro, was starting in front of me, bro. He had like 28 jacks the year before. Good player, before I know. Like Good player. 100 plus runs, right? I mean, we're talking about one of the premier outfielders in the American League at that moment. So when I came to the end of spring training and I didn't win that job, bro, that was tough. That was hard. Because I was a starter everywhere I've been my entire career up to that point. And so for myself, I just remember I didn't start opening day. And I remember like not even getting like announced coming out for opening day, bro. I'm like, oh, bro, I want my cheers. I want some cheers, you know. But I just remember I got a pinch hit early in that game. And uh, I think I walked my first at bat. The next game, I got another pinch hit. I hit a double. So I had two at bats. I walked. I hit a double. And then I got a start game three. And that was when I hit the two jacks that game and drove in five. And then from that moment forward, bro, I never left the lineup. It was just, it was a moment for myself that I knew if I didn't produce, because New York's not about just being like part of the team. You got to post, bro. If you don't post, we're going to find somebody that will. You know that's what I'm saying? That's the way it goes, bro. You 100%. nailed it. And that's what I think that we might, you know, I think we've had a lot of people who had a lot of opportunities. Uh, you know, I don't think back in the day, guys had that many opportunities. You either posted up or we found somebody else. So I think with where we are right now, man, it's just getting everybody back together, getting the squad back to the community that we know, right? Listen, I'm a monster fan of Aaron Boone. I always have been. I've learned a lot just from being around him. I think his calm, cool, collective demeanor for somebody like me, man, that's huge. Because I'm like, say, you need here, that. Bro. Me and you are up here. Yeah, we need, yes. we need guys to break it down a little bit. But there's always so much a manager can say, right? Like, it gets to a point, Swish, where it's like, whether you're yelling and screaming or whether you're a nice guy, the dudes that are suiting up and putting the spikes on, they got to go and perform. So give me the guy, dude. If the Yankees turn this season around, he's going to have a monster second half. Pitcher, batter, whoever. Who is the guy Swish is looking at where he says, Yankees get this thing rolling once again. This guy's really going to step up. Well, I mean, it's, it, it, it's in my mind, it's really easy. I think DJ LeMayhew, right? The guy that starts it all off, right? Hasn't been the first half that he wanted. Uh, you know, numbers are down a little bit. But at the end of the day, like, we know he has it in him, right? I, I, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking DJ LeMayhew or Glaber Torres. I think those guys are huge. And the only thing, you know, the one thing I love about Glaber is the swag, right? Yeah, like, where is it? Ball. See, that's the thing, Swish. It's been missing the last few weeks. A few years ago. Dude, we were talking about him with Acuna and Tatis and Soto and, like, all these young studs. Now, I know when you're going bad, it's tough to be, like, you know, flashing the leather and having all sorts <laughs> of fun. But, like, yeah. that's the guy the Yankees need. I think it's Torres, dude. Torres has got to be the guy that we're used to seeing. I think that's a must for the team. I do. Yeah, 100%. I definitely think he's way up there at the top. I, I even think if I'm looking across the way and I'm looking at Francisco Lindor, Right. The one thing that I've been most proud of him is I, I you know, obviously know him back from Cleveland was he's kept the same attitude all the time. 
right? He's got the blonde hair. He's got the swag. He's got the chains. He got all that stuff. It's never gone away from him. And so I think for me, the one thing that I want our guys to know is I want them to have secure and I want them to be secure in who they are. Know who they are. Stand out there. Know the type of players that they are. If you got to wear, if you got to wear all the swag and the wristbands, bro, put it on. If that makes you feel like a better player, put it on. Don't take it off because you're struggling. So I think for me, man, listen, you know, I know it's, you know, like you're saying, it's hard to be, you know, the flashy guy when you're not exactly putting up those all-star numbers. But if you're thinking about, you know, putting Glaber Torres up with like Acuna and those guys right now, listen, all those guys have gotten paid already. So maybe there might be something where he's thinking, you know, maybe he's thinking about contracts or whatever. But listen, man, Glaber Torres is going to be a Yankee for a long, long time, bro. And I hope to God he is because in my mind, one of the premier players in the game. It's all about just turning things around a little bit, man. These guys have what it takes. They have the skills. They have the overall mental capacity to do what they need to do. But like Hal Steinbrenner said, listen, you know, like you were just saying, Jay, it's like you can yell and scream all you want. It's the players on the field that are going to make it happen or not. So I think, you know, I, I side with Hal. I think the, the front office has done a tremendous job putting together an amazing team. It just hasn't quite worked out yet, but that doesn't mean it's not going to. We're only halfway through the season. We're just to the All-Star break, right? Let our boys go to Denver. Chapman do his thing in the All-Star game. Judgey do his thing in the All-Star game. Everybody else, go home, relax, sleep a little bit, get your mind right, come back for the second half, and let's go something 60 and 15, do something spectacular, bro, and bring a championship back to the Bronx. This bro, is exactly it. You the it, sort of pep talk we needed, bro. We <laughs> needed this. And listen, Swish, I'm not, you know, designing who's going in the clubhouse to speak to guys. We may need to get your ass out to Seattle or to Houston or maybe get you in front of the team because they need a little of this pick-me-up here, Swisher style. Before we <laughs> let you go, I got to know, do you still have the surfboard? Oh, come on, bro. And my Tommy Bahamas, bro. You yes. Know it, bro. I remember that campaign. Legendary, and, and baby. It, hey, you got it done, man. You got it done. The Yankee no, fans took no, care of you. The, the New York Yankee fans got it done for That's me, That's a good point. Well, the your New performance did. Not bad. You made the All-Star team. I, 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 I could never thank them enough. I guess the best way to thank them is to have the love for the Yankees, right? And to do my part, you know, I mean, you know, I'm so blessed to be able to be a special advisor for the squad and I'm working a lot with our younger guys, you know, the minor leagues, which by the way, man, our boys in the minor leagues are kicking ass. Our boys are doing their things. We're getting some boys ready to come up to the big leagues in the next couple of years. But at the end of the day, man, listen, man, I, you know, down the road sometime, you know, I, I have aspirations to be a manager at some point. So, so you would like to do it at some point. Cause you're great on TV. You got a great oh, personality, but thank if you. somebody gave you an opportunity to manage, you would want to manage. I think the timing has to be right. You know, listen, man, I love being a father right now. I got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old little girls, and I'm soaking up every moment I got with them, right? Probably running around like crazy, too. Oh, bro, you Is know it, you cut, still, bro. cut into the golf game a little bit or eh, so, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that, bro. I'm all right with that. There you, you go. Know? I know you're probably acing a hole every now and again when you're out there, though. <laughs> Any hole ones recently? Have you ever no, had a hole one? Not yet, but, you know, your boy's getting his index down to 8.6, baby. You well, I mean, think? listen, you're a professional ball player. I expect you hitting bombs, Dude, for me, it's, uh, you know, all those slap hits on the Sandlot field switch. Not exactly bombs at Yankee Stadium. Dude, I love you. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Continued success. And I think if the Yankees need a little positivity, 
You're the guy. Just saying. Bro. That, man, guy. I appreciate you, bro. I'm fucking digging on your vibe, your energy, bro. Obviously, we match up really, really good, man. No surprise there. I was going to say. <laughs> Just saying, bro. That's the great Nick Swisher. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the energy level with Nick Swisher and myself was off the rails, but that should come as a surprise to no one. You know, anything about Nick Swisher, you know, anything about me, that's what you're going to get. So I hope that some of that bad juju from Swisher's appearance to even the great eagle eye picks throwing the Yankees in today, maybe that's the way the Hex can somehow, some way, come to an end. A kid can dare to dream. Now, before we get to voicemails, and I was bummed because I had all this shit going on. I wanted to watch DeGrom. Anytime DeGrom's on the mound, it's must-see TV, and the Brewers are a good team. They're probably going to win the National League Central. The way this rain delay was handled, what a nightmare for the Mets. Listen, I know these thunderstorms are crazy in the tri-state area. We all dealt with them. If you live in uh, up I-95, I know our buddy Saruti was dealing with them. I'm dealing with them in Brooklyn. Queens was out of control. I know the weather is crazy, and I know it's unpredictable. But if you're Steve Cohen, don't be tweeting out, we're going to play tonight, and then two hours later have to take it back and look like a total horse's ass. That's what Steve's got to know better. Steve, it's weather. Shit happens. Shut up. Because for the fan... And I know there weren't many of them who sat out three, three and a half hours waiting for a verdict or a decision on that game. You don't want to see the owner tweeting. I think Steve Cohen has great passion for his team. It's a significant upgrade, massive upgrade over the prior regime when it comes to ownership. Sometimes you got to sit a play out. I've learned that in my years on social media, and I ain't Steve Cohen. When you're in that position of authority, sometimes you got to do less. That be my advice to Steve. Steve, preach patience. You and I got to go hammer subtweet. Because I'm a Met fan. I sat out there for three and a half hours, and I see you tweeting. I'm annoyed. I'm ticked off. And I'm like, dude, pipe down. Because you know as much as I do, which is a whole lot of nothing when it comes to the weather. So a lot of these teams mismanage, destroy weather delays all the time in baseball. So the Mets are not the only one. The Yankees, I was there Friday night. Wait around an hour and a half, they ended up bagging the game. It's never a good luck. When you tweet about it, it's that much worse. So 
The Mets, who had a very, very good win on Monday. Very, very good win. Survived the Diaz meltdown. Got to Brandon Woodruff, who's one of the better starters in the National League. Now got to play a split doubleheader on Wednesday. And now that DeGrom is not slated to go on Sunday, does he pitch in the All-Star game? My gut feel is still no. If he said not pitching, not going, I, I, I don't see him doing an about face 24 to 48 hours later. And if I'm Memphis, I'm happy about the fact that Jacob DeGrom's not pitching in the All-Star game. Let him rest up. Let him make sure he's exactly where he needs to be for the second half of this year, which is far more of a priority and far more of a concern. Wonderful for all this Chapman and Garrett Colvin out that they're going. I mean, Cole, you understand it. It's a couple of bad starts. Chapman, I mean, the guy's going to be pitching in the game. He's going to have a five-year for goodness sakes. It's amazing. Like, I'm going to see him in the All-Star game. I'm going to be like, great. I have flashbacks to Wednesday night and Saturday, for that matter. Doozy. Still have a little PTSD from that. All right, voicemail time. So if you're wondering how to get in touch with New York, New York, very easy. We like to give you the tutorial every now and again on this show. 917-382-1151. That's where we make the magic. 917-382-1151. And I would say you want to get the voicemails in by Thursday evening for our next show. Sounds about right. Thursday evening. All right, let's fire away here, Sorority. What do we got? Let's lead it off. JJ, hey, Mike in Westport. Uh, NBA Finals about to start. And you know what? I can't, it, I, I'm a net fan. I just can't get it out of my mind that this, this was our championship this year. And you know what? We just totally blew it. You know, I shouldn't say we. It's just like uh, Joe Harris can't hit one shot. Milwaukee Bucks are such an ordinary team. You know what? And it's just like they beat the Hawks, which wasn't even a, which, which wasn't even hard. Now they're going up a Suns team, which is just okay. I mean, it's just sad to think that the, the, the Nets just it was it was theirs. It was all theirs for the taking. But the question I have for you uh, is. What is your opinion of Kevin Durant going to the Olympics? Because you know what? I'm kind of disgusted by it. You know what? He's not a kid that hasn't like achieved anything in basketball and he wants to go do something special. This guy is 33, will be 33 years old when the NBA season starts. He came off that incredible injury, played a great year. You know what? Missed half the season, but played great in the playoffs. Uh, extended himself as hard as he could. And now, it's, to me, it's like instead of like resting up to go for the championship next year after they lost it this past year, he's taking a chance to go play all these games and practices with the Olympics. And then it's just, even if he comes off that, then he's got to start training camp. To me, it's insane. And I'm curious what your opinion is of that. Thanks a lot. Love the show. Bye. That is an excellent, excellent question. But I couldn't disagree more with your take. Kevin Durant likes playing basketball. Remember, he basically lost out on a year and a half. Postseason a couple years ago, all 2019-2020. The dude loves ball. He feels good. He had a great playoff run. He wants to play. He wants to represent his country. I got no beef with that. I understand a net fan not being in love with the risk of injury and whatnot, but that can happen at any point, any time. Kevin Durant wants to play. Kevin Durant can go play. That's my mentality on it. And yeah, I think we're all aware that this is a weird and wacky year in the NBA. Phoenix and Milwaukee is a weird NBA matchup in the NBA Finals. 
Not going to lie. It's weird. However, they got here. They took advantage of their situation. Sometimes injuries are a narrative in a postseason. They can happen. Kevin Durant a couple of years ago, perfect example. We're not talking about Kawhi and the Raptors probably winning an NBA title. Durant doesn't get hurt. And how many what-ifs can we have over the years? Oh, this guy didn't get hurt. Or that guy didn't get hurt. That's part of the war of attrition. This is a war of attrition. NBA Finals. And I think we all know that. If you win, counts the same. Anybody's going to look at this title for Chris Paul and Giannis and say, oh, I'm not counting the same way you're a jackass. I'm sorry. It counts. Do we put an asterisk next to Kim Olajuwon's two titles? Because Jordan went on hiatus for whatever the reason and wanted to play baseball? Maybe had to pay off gambling debts? Who the hell knows? Yeah, it's, it's a factor, but Akeem and the Rockets won. If the Knicks had won that 94 NBA title, you, you think I'd give a rat's ass? You think I'm like, oh, well, Jordan didn't play? I don't care. I'd have my first ever NBA championship as a fan. And it would count the same. Mark my words on that. It would count the same. I laughed because I heard this with COVID last year. Oh, the title's tainted. Uh, is it hollow? Tell a Dodger fan that. First title since the year I was born, 1988. Uh, tell them. It's not the same. Get out of here with that. It's nonsense. Who's up next? Hey, JJ. Nick and Rock the Center here. Just thinking past this dreadful Yankee season to the offseason. And the biggest storyline's got to be what they're going to do with Judge, right? I mean, I doubt the Yankees want to go into his final year under contract next year without a plan for him, whether that means to re-sign him or maybe even blow everything up and trade him, which seems unlikely. But the more I think about it, the more I realize he probably has all the leverage in the world over the Yankees, which the Yankees are not used to, because he's been the face of the franchise since he came up. Everybody loves him. He's been really good this year, and for the most part, has been pretty healthy. And he's even playing center field, which honestly I thought was a disaster waiting to happen, but proved me wrong for sure. And the last thing the Yankees, or any Yankee fan or any a Yankee executive wants to see, is him to see somewhere else. With all these big contracts like Cole and Stanton and Hicks and LeMayhew, and the potential for one for the, the new researcher, Gary Sanchez, you think the Yankees pulled the trigger and signed Judge to the massive deal he's warranting that I'm sure other teams would be willing to pay? I think they have to, but I don't know. What do you think, JJ? Thanks. It's a very, very fascinating conversation. Now, I think Aaron Judge is worth more to the New York Yankees from a marketability standpoint, from a selling standpoint, he's the face of the team. He is the guy you see on billboards. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. You got to take that into account. I think the Yankees absolutely will take that into account. Am I in love with giving Aaron Judge a monster contract with his injury history? No. But do I support the idea of saying sayonara? I do not. What, to make John Carlos Stanton the centerpiece of this team when he can't play the field? Judge is one of their best players. Their best player. Let's call it like it is. He's their best player. Been a face of the team since he's come up in 2017 on a full-time basis. Aaron Judge has got to be on this team. So, my gut feel, he will be on this team. 
I don't know what other moves are made. Judge is going to be here. That's my thought. Who's up next? What's up, JJ? This is AJ. Surname used to be AJ in Maine, but as a resident of Manhattan, New York, I guess I'm no longer AJ in Maine. However, I tell all the Boston sports teams except for football and, unfortunately, a Raiders fan. Anyway, new listener of the podcast. I like listening to New York sports podcasts because I live in New York, obviously, so all around me and all my friends are New York fans, so figured I'd call and give you a two-part to start off. The best thing about Aaron Boone, and I love Aaron Boone. You guys all hate him. I'm a huge fan being a Red Sox fan. He's terrible. The best part about the Yankee teams at Boone's house is they're so bad at the fundamentals, whether it's running bases or even calling for a fly ball. I was in the stadium Wednesday afternoon versus the Angels, the one like the two-part rainer, that they lost in the top of the ninth when I had money on them. Of course, the Yankees can't do anything right. Anyway, first inning, a normal fly ball to center. Gardner calls it, and then Duhar just is out of, bat out of hell trying to run him over. Can't even do the simple thing just calling a fly ball. It's terrible. The next thing I'd like to say about uh, Aaron Boone teams is, is they're, they're so talented and they're so single-sided with nowhere to go. I mean, it's like watching the 2018 Celtics, the ones where Kyrie came back after the injury, loaded with talent, terrible team to watch. Every day, they're supposed to win games. Listen, I appreciate the kind words, even with your Boston sports perspective. We welcome all fans. We welcome anybody, anywhere, any place, anytime. You dial in New York, New York. You want to chime in at a show? You bring the heat? We'll have a conversation. You're not wrong. And there are a lot of differences halfway into this 2021 season between the Yankees and the Red Sox. A whole lot of differences. The Red Sox lineup has been better. The Red Sox have fielded the baseball a lot better. The Red Sox have been better in close games. But to me, there is no more startling contrast than the manager's spot. Where I see Aaron Boone and everything you documented, sloppy team, a soft team, a team that in many ways has taken on the personality of its manager. We've talked about this countless times. And I don't say that in a good way for Aaron Boone. But on the other hand, I would make that argument for Alex Cora. And the way the Red Sox have taken on his badass personality. And they have that intensity about them. And they go about their business in that way. It's commendable. So yeah, I do think that there is quite the mismatch in between the dugouts for the Yankees and the Sox. I felt that way in 2018. I think it's even more glaring, and I think it's even more obvious now. Didn't want to kill Aaron Boone on it in 2018, his first year managing the team. A couple of years removed, though, and it's worse. It's not necessarily better. It's not a good sign. Most definitely not a good sign. Who's up next? Yeah, what's up, JJ? James in Charlotte, North Carolina. I think my biggest problem with how and Cashman I don't believe the leadership of this team thinks in terms of World Series or bust any longer. George had flaws. George made mistakes. But you had no doubt the man was possessed. He was determined to win a championship. And even if he made the wrong moves, everything was designed to bring home the World Series title. I don't feel like Howe has that fire. I think Cashman feels like he's part of the Steinbrenner family and he's got carte blanche to do what he wants and he's not going to be held accountable. That's the biggest difference. We can talk about the lineup. We can talk about being too right-handed. I've talked about that numerous times on the call-ins 
it, it is what it is. The biggest issue I have is I don't think this leadership group has the fire to World Series or bust. They think the playoffs are a crapshoot. That's what their 25-year-old pocket protector-wearing nerds in the analytics departments tell them, and that's how they behave. I think there's some truth in that. I do think for this owner, the number one priority, finances, dollars and cents. Yankee change to me. Of course, will be contingent on how they play. But keep an eye on the attendance numbers. And if the attendance for the Yankees is garbage in the final two months of the year, how is going to be feeling that? Not selling as many beers, not selling as many hot dogs, not having as many people pay 40 bucks to park their car. Yankees are a 500 team. That'll be a ghost town in the final two months of the year. That's just the way the New York fan works. It's a fickle fan. Any fan is like that. September rolls around, football, school, the whole deal. Your routine is kind of back to normal. You're not making an extra effort to go to Yankee Stadium, especially for a team that's out of contention. That will bring about change. Look, I am at the point, quite frankly, where I'm not expecting a miracle. In many ways, I have waved the white flag on this 2021 season. I want to be proven wrong. I want to be suckered back in. That's what I want. Will 5-1 and one this week do that? Probably not. Will 5-1 and one in a good week against Boston out of the All-Star break? Maybe. Because then I'll go to Fenway Park a couple weeks from now, and basically, my trip to Fenway in a few weeks... I got a bunch of people I love up there. Buddies, pals. Got to get reacquainted. That's kind of my reason for making that trip at this point. And aside from the fact that I love Fenway, it's a great park. It's my favorite park to watch a baseball game. Not that the old Yankee Stadium does not exist. And I get geeked out by that stuff. Am I thrilled to watch the Yankees? In any capacity? No. Prove me wrong. Swish trying to bring the positivity. Eagle Eye Pigs trying to bring the positivity. I'd love to bring the positivity. I'm not there yet. I need a lot more. Because right now I'm hurt. I'm wounded. I need my Michael Corleone Godfather 3 moment. We're not there yet, but I need it. Last but not least, who's up? JJ, Brandon from Westchester. Uh, First-time caller on either show. I just want to tell you, dude, I'm 20. I'm 22, okay? I'm 22. People are setting over fireworks. I'm over here fucking pissed off. I'm 22, okay? I haven't seen a good baseball team since 2009, okay? I understand we went to the playoffs other years, but this is bullshit. It's time after time after time. I'm a community college 22-year-old, okay? I know absolutely nothing but I know more than Brian Cashman. How do you look at this team preseason and not see all the shit that we have to put up to? Game one, game one, we had Lucas Lickie in the fucking game. Game one, that's our, that's our bullpen guy. Don't get me wrong, he's been a stud, all right? I like that guy. But you're telling me 
a championship caliber team coming into the season, you look at this roster up and down and you see guys that you're confident in, it's bullshit, JJ. It's bullshit. Anyway, um, thanks for getting me through my degenerate days over at WFAN. 2 a.m. I was always tuning in 12, 12 midnight. JJ After Dark was my shit. All right. Nice to hear from you, bud. See ya. Well, I love your passion, number one. We gave out a bunch of winners and losers in my time over at the old place. And I can guarantee you there are going to be a lot more winners and losers to come as we are now a couple of months into this new ringer gig. Don't make the Yankees struggles about Lucas Lipke. Aroldis Chapman on Wednesday and on Saturday or Sunday, whatever the hell it was. He's the reason you lost those games. He's the guy who's getting paid a boatload of money to go and do a job. Don't make the narrative about Lucas Litke. You want to get on Brian Cashman for the overall roster construction? That's a convo we can have. The right-handed nature of the lineup, the all-or-nothing, the one-trick pony, the inability to play defense, run the bases, all true. That's where you can critique Brian Cashman. Lucas Litke? No. He is a guy pitching in a role that, quite frankly, he shouldn't be in. On Wednesday, he was in that predicament. He was in that exact same spot on Sunday. Didn't go well. Not his fault. Your closest has got to save the games. And with a role this Chapman, they're saying it's not sticky stuff. Multiple people around the Yankee beat saying, hey, he's not struggling because of sticky stuff. It's command and confidence. Well, Go show me. Let me see that badass we saw in the first two months of the year. The great Doug in Long Island actually brought up in late May, early June, the idea of Chapman being a Cy Young candidate. And at the time, it was fair. It was reasonable. Since then, I think Chapman has like blown every save and has given up like 50 runs. So thanks, Doug, for putting the uh, kibosh on a roll. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, before we say sayonara and give you a pick for game two of the finals, I love the match today. I know it's a little corny. I know it's not the best golf that you're ever going to see. That sort of insight from Phil, from DeChambeau, it's amazing. Talking about the upslope and how to read a pod and what club to use. It just... I get geeked out by that stuff. Maybe it's because I have this newfound passion of the game of golf. And Phil, I was thinking about this today. He is my favorite current athlete in all sports. It's my favorite. Because I don't have that guy with the Yankees. Love him at you, but I don't really have that guy. I want it to be Tua, but I understand that I may have the aqua and the orange glasses on at this point. And I know he's not Mahomes. And I know he's not a... Russell Wilson or whoever, Brady, take your pick. I don't have that dude in the NBA. I love Luka. I do. He's got a fabulous game. He's a guy that I find myself rooting for. I love Leonard's game, too. I mean, there are a lot of guys I like in the NBA. But Phil is the dude for me. Lefty, golfer, beaker, the whole deal. The narrative of the match, though. Aaron Rodgers played some unbelievable golf and bailed out a professional like DeChambeau, which is crazy to say, and Tom Brady's son. So I lost a couple on the uh, festivities 
up in Montana. And can you imagine seeing a bear as you're trying to go and find your ball? I don't think Tom Brady is going in the woods and is going to play that one. Thankfully, with this format, he didn't have to. Made it back with the Suns, and our guy Eagle Eye recommended the Yankees tonight on their own line. Not a bet I was going to make, but it was kind of YOLO. Let's try and get some good karma going the Yankees' way and ended up hitting. So, as Meatloaf once said, two out of three ain't bad. Jeff Money in the house. Jeff Money and I also hit on the Phoenix Suns. It was a win. It was a cover. We felt good about that. Certainly feel good about my Phoenix series price, and I'm rooting for a Milwaukee win so I could double the meat. Jeff Money, what's on the card for Wednesday, amigo? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper fix. This is going to be for Wednesday, July the 7th. Major League Baseball action. I'm going to go one play, money play. I'm going to take the Seattle Mariners plus the 115 at home versus the Yankees. It's going to be Kuchichi with a 3 0 record is 1.37 ERA's last three outings versus Herman. Uh, he's last three outings been terrible. He's 0 1 with 8.18 ERA. All right, Jay, that's my pick going with the Mariners plus the 115. All right, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money going against the New York Yankees. Don't like the fact that this line has moved against Seattle already with a ton of Seattle money coming in. Kikuchi was an all star. He's pitched very well this year. Herman has been brutal his last couple of starts. I do get the sense this is going to be a good series for the Yankees. They always play well at Safeco Field. I'm going heads up with you, my friend. I'll take the Yankees tomorrow night. Might be stupidity on my part. They'll play well in Seattle. They always play well in Seattle. Doesn't mean much for the narrative of 2021, but they're going to play well this week. At least for these next couple of games. In Houston, much different story. Now, game two of the finals. Phoenix, the better team. Phoenix was efficient. Faster and more ready to play in game one, I think you'll get a sense of desperation out of Milwaukee in game two. Giannis back, another game under his belt. Five and a half, I'm scooping it now. I think Milwaukee will keep that game within the number. So, FanDuel has it at five and a half right now. I am taking Milwaukee in game two. I think they will keep it close. I don't know if they'll have enough to win the game. They will be within the five and a half. So, we're back on Thursday. We'll set the stage for... A rematch of the 2017 and 2019 ALCS that did not go particularly well for the Yankees. And that Yankee Astros series, that was a whole lot of fun. That feels like another lifetime ago. Thinking about early May and thinking about where we're at right now. Feels like another lifetime ago, for goodness sakes. So we'll have you covered on that. We'll get you ready for the final weekend of the year for the New York Mets. And we'll see if this is going to be a real competitive NBA Finals or... Are we looking at a coronation for Chris Paul, the Valley of the Sun? I love seeing those throwbacks from 1993, by the way. Why aren't they wearing them now? I mean, that's a story for a different day, but there, there are many subjects when it comes to uniforms that could drive me to drink. Fellas, fabulous job. JJ signing off. We're back on Thursday. Enjoy your Wednesday. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, 
Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 